0: Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if the U.S. Women's Domestic Soccer League didn't fold in the early 2000s? Hey, everybody, this is Eddie. My topic is on the Women's Soccer League and the Women's Soccer League in the US in particular. But before we get into that, we all know that baseball just started just a couple weeks ago. And I think it's kind of funny that I'm doing this little intro because I know very little about baseball. My favorite player is Melky Cabrera. Don't know who he is or what he did, but I just love the name Melky. But, anyways, yeah, so we're here just talking about our favorite baseball moments so personally I'd say we get back to sixth grade PE and we had like different sports units so this happened to be the baseball unit and I was playing in the outfield and then somebody was at bat they just swung it and it was like out there I remember the ball was coming in my direction And then I remember looking up, just running at the ball, and I was saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then I just remember, like, everything went black. And then I looked in my glove, and I had the ball in my hand. And everybody was like, oh, my God, Eddie, that was amazing. That has to be my favorite moment, personally. Yeah, I remember that. I don't know if I was in your class. I just You just always
1: talk about it. I wish I I could have seen it in my mind again
2: the second time Eddie's brought it up today alone no just kidding
0: oh Eddie it sounds like you passed out when you made the catch is that fair to say yeah you know I don't know if the concussion protocols were in place in PE, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I should have been checked out or something because I don't remember catching it I just remember things <laughs> went black and I just put my glove do you remember like
1: going to school the rest of the day like learning anything or no. <laughs> is that just? They're just all just blank. You just remember everything up to that.
0: Yeah, the fact that I can't remember after that, that might be quite telling.
1: Very intense baseball games out in the LMS
0: fields. LMS, yeah. Something that I witnessed was the Cardinals run in 2011, that World Series run. David Freeze, like that was pretty spectacular. So just hearing Joe Buck saying, we will see you tomorrow night. I love that. His dad made that
1: same call like a bunch of years before Jack Buck.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: He made that same call. So that's why it was like extra cool that he made that same exact call that his dad, who's like a legendary sports announcer. That's
2: dope. You know, Cameron, I will say this is a perfect time to insert your Jack Buck story just because he came up right now.
1: It was Joe Buck. Yeah, so Joe Buck actually waved at me one time because... He lives in Ladue, which is a suburb in St. Louis, where we went to school. And so we were driving through that area, me and my dad. And he pulled up to the stop sign. He was like, hey, I think that's Joe Buck behind us. And so I turned around and I like about snapped my neck. And I was just like staring at him because I was trying to get a good look. I kind of lost track of time, but it must have been a good like five to 10 seconds of me just turning around very clearly to look at him. And all of a sudden, he just gave like a little like confused, like a little bit of a wave. And then I waved back at him. So now we're best friends. So it's pretty cool. That's nice.
0: Anybody else have a favorite baseball story? or?
1: Yeah, I got a, I didn't even think about playing Eddie. So I'm glad you brought that up. When I was younger, I would always lead the team in walks. And that was because I would get down into the lowest stance I possibly could, just really shrunk the strike zone. And so like in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, not a lot of pitchers could throw consistent strikes. So I would just get walked all the time because I really hunched down and the strike zone was probably a good like six inches. I was really good at walking. Uh, Not a great hitting position to be in, but very good for walking. A lot of coaches were very upset. I remember it was pretty funny. But as for like other baseball memories, this actually happened a couple of years ago. We went back to St. Louis, me and Caitlin did, and my mom and dad were going to a Cardinals game. So they're like, do you guys want to come? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. And Caitlin's a big baseball fan. So she was excited. So we go and it turns out that that night they were doing a special because they had just announced the Cardinals Hall of Fame players for that year. And it was Jason and Isringhausen and Scott Rowland and if you guys know anything about me you'll know that Scott Rowland is my absolute favorite player of all time in any sport ever and so the fact that I was like there that night when he was you know like given his hall of fame plaque or whatever it is that they give he was like there and everything and they actually gave out hats that were signed by Scott Rowling and Jason Andrewshausen It was just a really funny moment because when we went to the game, they handed us the Jason Isringhausen hats. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, Jason Isringhausen, he's great. He caused a lot of heart attacks when he was closing games for the Cardinals. But this is not Scott Rowland to me. Like, I could care less about this Jason Isringhausen hat. So the whole game, like, all I wanted was the Scott Rowland hat. And so I was, like, too scared to ask these guys. But we actually went up to this group of guys they all had the Scott Roland hats. And so my wife, Caitlin, goes up to them and says, hey, guys, my husband here, he's a really big Scott Roland fan. And he was just wondering if you guys could trade hats with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, they're like super cool about it. So they're like, you know, we don't care, you know. So I was like, okay, perfect. So we actually traded all three of our <laughs> Jason Genshring hats and hats for three Scott Rowland hats. They're a little bit sweaty, but, you know, it was worth it. I would have done it 11 times out of 10.
0: That's pretty cool.
2: Man, what if they were huge Jason Isringhausen fans? Like, how amazing (laughs) would that have been? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone being a huge
1: Jason Isringhausen fan, but, you know, he was good.
2: No doubt. I do actually have a story about Jason Isringhausen and Ladue Middle School baseball field, but I used to pitch like in elementary school, but I used to pitch like Jason Islinghousing. And if y'all St. Louis fans know what he looked like when he was pitching, he had a huge leg kick that was very prolonged. And we were in like the bottom of the fifth, which is basically how many innings we played at the time. And we were down and we were batting. And for whatever reason, I was going to be pitching in the bottom part of the inning, which I thought was going to be taking place. So I was warming up with the coach in my little Jason Islinghousing stance. But lo and behold, there was not a chance for me to pitch. Like, this was the end of the game whenever he stopped hitting. I didn't realize that until it was my turn to bat. So I was not prepared to bat, and I strike out swinging on the third pitch. That's my Jason Isringhausen story. I used to pitch like him. Can we get an example? I'll go into my batting stance, and then you pitch like Jason Isringhausen. Cameron, you got to lead the way here, mate. You got to gotta walk into the batter's box, and I'll, I'll step up to the mound. It's up to you, man. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see that i don't want to pull a hamstring either i haven't stretched today so ladue well, middle school we cameron i feel like we may have played you guys in seventh grade because for whatever reason i retired for like three years i jumped back into baseball in seventh grade but joined our rival school's baseball team because they didn't have a slot <laughs> for our schools and i think cameron you're on the ladue team but i joined the MICDS team which is our arch rival And I was playing left field in the championship game in which I was playing Cameron and my fellow classmates and friends at Ledoux. And there was a player. I was not expecting him to hit a ball so well, but he hit it my direction. And this is a huge game. And it was like super high over my head. And I'm like, well, this is coming really fast. I'm going to put my hand up vertically as high as I can to see if anything happens. I end up catching it. I didn't realize I caught it for like three seconds. And then I had to throw it back in, but they already scored a run because they tagged. I was amazed I caught it. The very last story, I fell asleep in game six of the 2011 World Series because I was super tired and we were behind like in the fifth or sixth inning. I fall asleep. That's kind of a loop. You wake up and you realize something happened, but you don't know what happened is everything (laughs) is in the post game (laughs) uh, the
1: uh, greatest game in st louis sports history
2: (laughs) for all the st louis cardinals fans i apologize i'm a huge cardinals fan too which is really ironic that i missed the biggest play but yeah i fell asleep
3: for sure i
0: was gone for hours even i saw that like (laughs)
3: dang Somehow that's true to form, Michael. That's exactly what I would expect out of you.
2: <laughs> I appreciate
3: it. <laughs> so I guess I'll also throw in do Middle School <laughs> baseball story. <laughs> it seemed to be a foundational moment in all of our lives, but I, like Eddie, not a big baseball guy, don't really enjoy watching it, don't follow it, never really played it, but we were forced to play it in middle school and i remember very similar to michael they just put me in center field for some reason it was like we would choose our teams and then all the really good baseball kids wanted to be on a team of their own and they wanted to play all the scrubs like me and they ended up getting their way so it was just me and a bunch of other guys who didn't care about baseball at all playing against all these guys who i think like some of them even went on to play college ball or something so then i was just out there in center field no idea what was going on very similar to michael's story someone hits the ball straight to me stick my hand up in the glove no clue what happened but everyone starts cheering and i think we still lost by quite a bit but hey it's all good
1: <laughs> all three of you guys just blindly played baseball and made yeah. miraculous react plays
3: it's <laughs> the best way to do it honestly and then i don't really have many professional baseball stories I was an Albert Pujols fan, and I remember that sometimes I would just turn on Cardinals games just for his at-bats, turn them off, and turn them on again when you go back bat, turn them off again, because <laughs> I didn't really care about anyone else that played. So, yeah, that's basically the extent. I, of course, did watch the Cardinals-famed World Series runs, so we were all pretty lucky to be from St. Louis and have that, that we can claim that we were part of, if not awake for, at least a part of.
1: You're talking about Albert Pujols. Of course, like, know if, you don't know, if you don't know G, he always roots for like the big dogs. So he's always like big for like the Yankees or the Red Sox or whoever is better that year, kind of a thing. And so I remember one year in elementary school, it was postseason time. The school makes a huge deal out of it. Everyone's wearing red. And so I remember you came up to me one day and you're like, Cameron, I think I know what's going to happen. I think Albert Pujols, when he gets up to the plate, is going to take off his Cardinals jersey, and he's going to be wearing a Yankees jersey on underneath, and then hit a home run for the Yankees. <laughs> you were, like, adamant that Albert Pujols is going to hit this home run for the Yankees.
2: That's
3: pretty funny. I'm cringing.
2: <laughs> this was in high school, right? That's no, a, Easy. Like, Easy.
0: Careful,
3: Michael, <laughs> relax.
0: <laughs> that was quite nice. The fact that we were able to talk about a lot of stories uh, regarding baseball, whether they were personal or whether they were things that we witnessed. All right, let's get into it. What if the U.S. Women's Domestic Soccer Leagues didn't fold in 2003 and in 2011? There were three different leagues. The first league was the Women's United Soccer Association, or WUSA. It began in 2000, and the reason for formulating this type of league was, you know, this is just a year after the 1999 Women's World Cup, and, you know, USA, that was their first World Cup title. Individuals in America felt like there would be a demand for women's soccer in the States. So they created the Women's United Soccer Association, WUSA, and it was the world's first women's soccer league in which players were paid professionals. That's kind of eye-opening. Some of the teams there were the Atlanta Beat, Boston Breakers, Carolina Courage, New York Power, Philadelphia Charge, San Diego Spirit, San Jose Cyber Rays, and Washington Freedom. The league folded in 2003. One of the reasons was because of financial reasons, and another one was because there were a low attendance to games. And then there was like, I'd say three or four year hiatus of women's professional soccer in the United States. Until 2007, there was formulation of another league called the Women's Professional Soccer League, or WPS. It began in 2007, and there are some repeat teams from the WUSA league, such as Atlanta Beat and Boston Breakers. There were Chicago Red Stars, FC Gold Pride, Los Angeles Soul, Magic Jack, Philadelphia Independent, Sky Blue FC, St. Louis Athletica, and Western New York Flash. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember. When we had the St. Louis women's team, it was only for like a year. But I remember Hope Solo played for us. I don't know if you all remember that. But yeah, I think the St. Louis team was one of the first teams to fold in that WPS league. And then it all folded in 2012 for similar reasons as the first one, mainly due to financial reasons. And then there's the current league, which is the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, formulated in 2012. And it still exists to this day. But if you just think about how between 2003 and 2007, it wasn't like a professional league in the United States for women. There were like second tier leagues, but there wasn't like a top tier league during that period. Just think about that. During the time frame of the US women's national team and their success during the domestic league instability in the US, remember the first league, WUSA, folded in 2003. Right after it folded, the World Cup started. I believe the U.S. was the host in 2003, but they finished third. And then a year later in the 2004 Olympics, they won gold. 2007 World Cup, they finished third again. And then in the 2008 Olympics, they won gold. 2011 World Cup, this is when WPS was in existence, the year before it folded. And they finished second to Japan. 2012 Olympics, they won gold. 2015, they won the World Cup, their first World Cup since 1999. And then, I didn't list this, but in 2016, they were in the Olympics, but they exited in the quarterfinals. They lost in a penalty shootout to Sweden. And then, of course, you know in 2019, they won the World Cup again. So that's just their success, you know, during the time of instability in the domestic leagues in the U.S. So one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this topic is because of how so many of the women on the national team are moving from the NWSL and going overseas mainly to England. And I can understand why they're doing it. You know, the NWSL, they kind of had like a welcome back tournament like they did with MLS. Once that's over, there won't be NWSL until April. So just the fact that you have such a long break of not playing competitive soccer You can understand why some of the top players, like Kristen Press, is going to England. But there is another league that is growing in popularity, and that's the FA Women's Super League, which is kind of equivalent to the English Premier League. And Kristen Press has moved to Manchester United, along with Tobin Heath and Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle. They went to Manchester City, and then Alex Morgan, she's at Tottenham. A lot of these are short-term deals. For the likes of Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, those are short-term deals. That's what I read. So their contracts end in 2021. So they could come back to the States next year if they wanted to. Or during the time that they're playing in England, they may enjoy it so much that they may not want to go back to the NWSL. These are my questions. How successful would the U.S. women's national team be if they had professional soccer from 2004 to 2006? My other question is, what do you make of U.S women's national team players moving to England? What impact, if any, would it have on the NWSL or U.S. women's national team success? And what would make you tune into an NWSL match? So I'm assuming that you guys don't watch NWSL. That's my assumption. So
2: it sounds like it's like the equivalent of like a loan. It seems like from the women you just mentioned who were playing in NWSL and then moving to the FA.
0: What was it called? The FA Super League, Women's Super League. So it sounds like it's kind of like a loan? Kind of. It's just they're not obligated to return at the end of their loan. That's kind of the sense that I'm getting. So I get a sense that there's some permanency to it. But like with the short-term deals with Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, they have the option to come back. They're not obligated to, but they can if they want to. But yeah, I read with Rose LaBelle. That one is a long-term deal, and she could stay for a while. Is
2: the FA Women's Super League pretty competitive? Is it better quality competition than the NWSL?
0: That's a good question. I don't know. I know in the FA Women's Super League, the dominant teams are Arsenal, Chelsea. Man City is also really good. Yeah, those are the ones that I know, but I don't know which teams are considered good in. The NWSL. And I don't know if it's competitive or not.
3: I think regarding your question about what would make me watch an NWSL match, it's interesting that you bring up this topic because I'd recently been thinking that I need to tune into women's soccer more because I feel like I don't support it as much as I should. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if part of that is because it's rarely on TV, but maybe part of it is just like, it's never been as much of a priority for me. Although whenever the women play in the World Cup, I watch like every game. Yeah, yeah. It's just strange. And I watch MLS, so why don't, I, <laughs> why don't I watch NWSL? So yeah, I don't know why, but I think hearing about all the players moving to England, that made me excited to tune into the English League. So I think I will watch the English League as much as I can.
2: Yeah. I would second that. I don't know why, but when you were saying, Eddie, like, Chris and Pratt signed for Manchester United, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And, like, where each one of them are, Mm -hmm. that got me really excited. Like, I know these teams through men's soccer, but I want to see how they differ in women's soccer. And I also would watch during the Women's World Cup and everything, but it also seemed like it's one thing watching the favorite compete. I think the women's national team was favorite, at least in the last World Cup and the one before that, too. But it'd be one thing to see that versus a lot of those players and then also other international women's players playing for Manchester United. So you have Kristen Press playing versus Alex Morgan at said. So I feel like in that regard, it would get me excited to watch that too, like them going at it. Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, not in the NWSL, but in the FA Women's League.
0: No, I get that. I feel the same way also. If I were to answer this, what would make me tune into an NWSL match? I think for me, the thing that's like really enticing about the Premier League is the packaging and like how commentators are so good and they have a good team that analyzes stuff at halftime, you know, things like that. Knowing how good the Premier League is and the fact that I ardently support Arsenal, that's why I was more likely to tune into that. FA Super Women's League match between Arsenal and West Ham. When I was watching that, the commentary wasn't that good. Like they had a commentator for the men's game, but you could just hear like in the sound of his voice. I don't think he sounded very enthusiastic about being there. So commentary is like really big for me. It doesn't matter if it's a famous commentator. I just want someone who is actually genuinely into the game and interested and I think that sort of emanates in the way that how they are calling the game. So I don't know if the NWSL is like that. I don't know who their commentators are. I don't know if they have commentators that are really enthusiastic, but if they do, then that's what would make me tune in. I think one of the respected women in soccer broadcasting is Ali Wagner. Have you guys heard of Ali Wagner?
3: Sounds familiar, but I don't
0: quite recall who that is. So. From what I read when I was doing the research, that she was the first woman to commentate a game for the 2018 FIFA World Cup, like for the men's game. Like she was the first woman to do that. And she did a great job. I've known her for her analysis. I think she does a great job with analyzing and she has a great view of the tactics of the game and the positioning of players and things like that. So if she were to call games in NWSL, I'd totally listen because she has such a good perspective.
3: Yeah, I I really resonate with what you said about the package. Like the Premier League is shoved down your throat. We know it's such a big deal and it's just like the best league in the world. So it feels like we're watching something special when we're watching, even if it's like Brighton versus Southampton or something, you know? (laughs) I think for me, at least as a fan, the only team that I'm a fan of is Real Madrid. But then every other sport, I'm just a fan of players. In basketball, I'm a fan of Steph and Giannis, so I don't really care about the team they're on. I think it might be the same with this, where I'm a fan of Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Rose Lavelle, so it doesn't matter what team they're on, but now that they're in a team that I can watch and that I recognize, like Michael, you were saying earlier, how seeing these teams that you recognize from the men's, that does excite me. Like that, that has me interested. I think I'd definitely check out a game, but if they weren't there and if it was just two teams that didn't have any players that I like, then I think I probably would not watch it. But that's true for any sport. That's not specific to women's soccer. I would feel that way about any sport.
2: <laughs> I'm also curious, like how much money is put into the FA Women's League compared to the NWSL. Because if it's like the Premier League, which obviously is the cash cow of it all compared to the mls like there is no comparison like how much money is put into the women's game in england versus the domestic league in the united states i wonder if there's a difference there
0: so what i read is this may not answer your question about like how much money is put into the leagues but i know for players like one of the factors that is really attractive for players to move to England instead of staying at NWSL is salary, because I think they're paid more over there. Because when you make that transfer to the team in England in the FA Super Women's League, you are acquired by the team, like you're paid by the team. Whereas when it's NWSL, you're under the U.S. Soccer Federation. You're not like acquired by the team. You're within the U.S. Soccer Federation. So the pay is different in that regard, which I found interesting. It's not the same with MLS, is it?
3: I think it's similar because MLS is like the NFL, where it's like all the revenue is divided equally amongst the teams or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it's not any money that a team makes goes all to them.
2: In that case, based off your second question, Eddie, I don't know if the NWSL, like if they lose these really top players in their league to England or any other league that they go to, based off that in the history, I mean, if I were a domestic league and I lose, you know, the top players, especially the ones who are from that country to another country entirely, in another league, I don't know if that league would be successful anymore. At least at the very minimum, like as popular.
0: Yeah. I really hope it doesn't fold again. That'd be terrible.
3: Yeah, I feel like a lot of this is also testament to the US women's soccer players, because I feel like they're really keeping the league afloat. And now they're becoming international superstars, more so than they already were. It's crazy that slide you were showing that how successful they were, despite barely having a domestic league at times. That's incredible. I guess that makes me hopeful that even if the league does falter, at least our national team will be okay. Yeah, it would stink to have it fold again, especially now that like, people are actually starting to pay attention because of the lawsuit against the U.S. Federation for not paying them equally. It would suck to have an end product of the success of these women be that the league that a lot of them played in won't exist anymore. I feel like almost a call to action to support women's soccer more, because I feel like it's pretty bad that I don't. Like, I love soccer, and I love the U.S. women's soccer players. So there's no reason for me not to support them in their club teams as well.
0: Yeah,
2: I remember after the, could be the 2015, could be 2019 World Cup. But I remember I read an article, like how to keep the momentum going, because there's so much during the Women's World Cup, like domestically, like, yeah, we're going to win, we're going to win. There's so much support nationally, which is great. But obviously after that, probably until the next international tournament, especially the next World Cup there's not a lot going on. So I remember reading an article that said things that you can do to support domestic women's soccer in the leagues is just tune into the games. And I know personally, I haven't done that as well. So it's something that I probably should be doing as well because it's quality soccer. It's fun. I know the players or most of them, or at least the top-notch players. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot I can do to tune into these games.
3: I think having said that, now this means I'm going to be supporting Manchester United. Just impressed Heath are there.
0: I felt the same way too. Uh, <laughs> I guess it doesn't hurt to support both United and Arsenal. I'm also curious how many teams are in the NWSL right now? Shoot, I think it's about nine. I think actually,
3: LA just got a team, I think.
0: Yeah, they're coming in like 2022 or something.
3: Yeah, something like that. They got this big ownership group of like a lot of
0: celebrities and former
3: soccer players. I was surprised, actually, because I know a lot of the NWSL teams are like a uh, corollary of the men's MLS team in that city.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So I was surprised when LAFC started that they didn't also start a women's soccer team because Mia Hamm's one of the co-owners of LAFC. Oh, really? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed, actually, because it seemed like there was a lot of demand for it, but then they didn't do that. I don't think this new team is related to LAFC, but... I think that's also a, a good way to make sure they're stable. That if they're associated with an MLS team, then they're not going to go anywhere because the MLS team is probably going to survive. So it helps anchor the NWSL team even if they hit hard times.
2: Do y'all know? So, like, is NWSL for, say, like Brazilian international women's players and other countries? Is it more popular, the NWSL, compared to the FA
0: Superwomen's League? For international players, which, which league to go to? Is that what you're asking?
2: Yeah, so I guess for, like, non-English and non-American international women's players.
0: Yeah, I think NWSL was, like, a destination for a lot of these players. Because, you know, Marta came. Even some of the legends. I know these are some English players, but there were, like, four prominent English players that played for the national team that came over to the U.S. Kelly Smith and Alex Scott. Yeah, those two played in the U.S. for a bit. But I think it was because, I don't know if they voluntarily chose to or if it was due to stuff that was happening in the league because it was like some type of rebranding that was happening over there in England. So that's probably why they, they left. But I think moving forward, I don't know. There might be a change. There might, I don't know, if NWSL will be the number one destination for players. I don't know. Even like Samantha Kerr from Australia. She plays at Chelsea, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Now that I think about it, like a lot of the current Ballon d'Or winner is in Europe. They're not in England, but they're in, I think, France. I think France is also a big destination where players are going.
2: That is something I want to look into because I know MLS definitely does not compare to European soccer, but at least with NWSL, it seems like it's much more on a level playing field, if not above that of like England or France in regards to quality and like the top, top players, like where they're located, which is a good sign. I think moving forward, even if they are temporarily moving to England or sadly, if they just move there in general, but I think that's a good sign then that it's a lot more competitive than say the MLS is compared to European men's soccer.
0: Yeah, it would be really unfortunate if the league, NWSL, suffers because you blame it on the administration's handling of COVID. They had handled it better then there wouldn't be this mass exodus.
3: I wonder if the teams in England get more support than teams here would, you know, like more publicity there, because I feel like the NWSL doesn't get much publicity here at all. I don't think they even get on like TV that much.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because I think the women's game like in England, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like they show them on the major networks like a Sky Sports or like a BT Sports. Yeah, they don't really advertise it that well.
2: I was curious on like when they play in England relative to say the Premier League, like what are their match days? Usually Premier League is like Saturday, Sunday. I was thinking, like, if it was something where if there was a men's game and a women's game or vice versa, like, that'd be something I would probably tune into both games, honestly. And even on the flip side, if it's, like, completely different days, like, oh, there's, like, good soccer on right now. I'll catch that anyway. I was thinking about that, too, how it relates to the Premier League with the FA Women's League. Mm -hmm.
0: I like this topic, Eddie. Yeah.
3: It stirs me to action.
0: Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports.